0: Hello everybody, welcome to The Coaching Conversation. I'm Graham Wiley and I've been coaching business leaders for the last two decades. In this series, we're gonna explore some of the things I've seen and learned in that two decades and hopefully help you see how you can become more focused, more effective and hopefully happier in your life. So, it's now time to sit back, relax and enjoy The Coaching Conversation. Well, for this episode of the Coaching Conversation, I'm going to be joined by Tina Orlando. Tina, tell us about yourself and your practice.
1: Hi, Graham. Thank you. Um, so, my name's Tina Orlando. I coach under the brand of Tina Orlando Coaching. Um, I've been coaching for about five years now. I did my training and certification in the US. Um, prior to that, I was in large global companies for 15 years, understanding supply chain and then moving into corporate communications. And then I went on to co-found a business communications agency based in New York. Um, and now I coach leaders, executives, founders, um, and really try and help them become the best that they can be in whatever situation that is.
0: Oh, fabulous. Tina, obviously, today's subject is going to be about not being the problem solver. So have you seen that show up with your clients in their coaching session?
1: Right. Yes. It's a great question, um, because I think as context, um, modern corporate life and culture um, very much expects and sets up leaders in many ways to be the problem solver and the person with all the answers and the, you know, the person who finds the solution. And indeed, a lot of leaders have got to where they've got to by doing exactly that. And I think we're almost we become trapped in this paradigm and it comes self-fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, I think we've reached a point now, both in society and in corporate environments, where we're pivoting away from this role of the hero leader and more into the role of diversified teams and teams that really achieve and teams that perform. And so the new role of the leader is more about galvanizing those people resources and inspiring them and motivating them to find the answers. Um, And I think that's a really difficult shift for people to, right. to make um, particularly depending on the culture that you're in um, but if often if you don't take that step then nothing will change so I see people coming to me with um, you know perhaps they've had feedback from their teams perhaps there's a bottleneck being created around them and they don't necessarily realize that mm-hmm. um, and there's a sense of overwhelm and drinking from a fire hose because the feeling that everything needs to go through them But if you think about this hyperconnected world and the fact that problems now are global and multidimensional and they're so complicated and there are so many of them that one person can't possibly be at the forefront of all of that and be at the pinnacle. So if I was a co-chief
0: working with you and I I wouldn't necessarily see myself as being the problem solver, but you might identify that as effectively the challenge. Mm -hmm. What would the symptoms be that I would be turning up with, would you think?
1: Um, so, as I mentioned before, I think this sense of overwhelm, drinking from a fire hose, there just not being enough hours in the day. Um, and that's when a really great productive conversation around delegation right. uh, could come in and talking about the 80-20 rule. And, you know, if you had to triage everything that came in, what would do you absolutely have to do versus what could some other people do right. for you? Um, I've often seen uh, growing discontent among team members particularly key lieutenants and, and the sort of second, third, fourth in command, because they feel disenfranchised, because they feel like they don't have the space to operate. Right. So you can see tensions coming up in executive team meetings um, and questions and requests coming through um, that perhaps the leader might feel uncomfortable with. So, you know, there's this sense of being pushed out of your comfort zone no. because you have to relinquish the reins a bit. And some of the control so that other people can do their jobs and so sometimes it starts like that conversation you know I've been asked to open up the books in this way or I feel really uncomfortable with that let's talk about why
0: so when you're coaching these people how how do you help them through first recognizing the issue and then dealing with it what are the sort of techniques that you've developed for that
1: so um, I like to to do some perspective coaching with them So often, you know, we're all quite myopic in vision. When we're in a situation, we can only see that situation. So taking the person out of the current situation and going back to when they were part of an amazing team led by someone else. And what were the hallmarks of those teams? What, you know, what was the culture like? How much empowerment was there? Um, and, And kind of really helping someone to relive those moments and remember how it felt to be part of that team and and then talk about what that team managed to achieve and why they managed to achieve it and then bringing them back to present day and say okay you know let's compare that with the situation that you're in at the moment what's different what's the same but what's different um you know what are the three or four key points that you might want to work on and and then talk about ways of bringing the two together have you got
0: a couple of examples of of key individuals who've, who've Discovered that this is the problem for them and how they've moved it forward.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, the first example that comes to mind um, is working with founders. Ah. Because often, obviously, you set up that company from scratch, your DNA is in that organization, mm-hmm. the essence of that organization is you. Um, and you do everything at the beginning to set it up. And then, five, seven, nine years down the line, you're going through different series of funding. Mm-hmm. And then the organization needs something completely different to the role that you played in the first two, three years. So you make a couple in this case, made a couple of really great sort of industry leading hires to come in and grow as a tech company, take it to the next stage of evolution. And then, of course, these brilliantly capable people start coming in and saying, well, can we see this? And why did you decide to do that? And, you know, can, can I that now sits in operations? I'm the director of ops. Please. Can I have that as part of my mandate and remit? And I think it's, it can be really, really hard for a founder to let go of that yeah, willingly. Fantastic, fantastic example. Even though they yeah. know intellectually they should. Mm. So we talk about, you know, the, the example will come up. Um, how does that make you feel? What, what emotions are coming up for you? And it's often anger and irritation wow. and kind of this sense of, well, <laughs> and in many ways sort of how dare you ask me for that, but yes, that's exactly what I've asked you to, to come in to do. Yeah. So it's exploring the tension of of, okay. of those two conflicting emotions um, and how to how to get into the mindset of the person who's asking the question mm-hmm. and if you put yourself in that position and you were asking you those questions how would you feel right um, so that's one good example and then I think another good example um, was of a, a leader so not a founder but a leader in a large organization who had very very proactive and capable members of the team who were coming through and really pushing for, you know, I'd really like to have this span of influence or this accountability for the business. Um, And the leader actually feeling quite threatened by that in terms of, gosh, am I going to get leapfrogged here? Or, you know, what are your intentions? And kind of almost viewing it quite cynically. Um, So we had a conversation once we'd realized that this was the kind of manifesting symptom. And then we wound it back and had a conversation about that leader's goals and desires. And was it to stay the leader of this part of the business forever or, oh, actually, no, it's not. It's to go to that part of the business or to go to that company. So it was really reframing the conversation around rather than seeing it as a threat, how could you perhaps see some of those behaviors and desires as enablers to help you get to where you need to be? Fabulous examples. Thank you,
0: Tim. know we could go on with this conversation for the rest of the afternoon, but I'm afraid that is the end of our time for today. So thank you very much for joining us. That's the end of this edition of The Coaching Conversation.
1: Thank you, Graham. Thanks for
0: having me. So there you have it, the latest edition of The Coaching Conversation. I hope you found it interesting. hope you found it useful. You can find out more about our coaching programmes at the executivemindset.co.uk. If you want to reach out, you can send me an email at theexecutivemindset at sagegreen.com. You can book a free 30-minute session at theexecutivemindset.co.uk, which will give you a really good feel for how coaching could help you. And if you've really enjoyed the session, do please rate us. Do please give us a review. And nothing more for me to say other than see you next time.